Welcome to the latest Green Section podcast episode. I'm the host, Adam Miller, USG agronomist and director of the education program. Got a really cool show today. I talked with Marissa Marr. She's the green chairman at the Olympic Club, and we really picked Marissa's brain on the upcoming historic renovation at the Olympic Club and how she and others went about to build support around this renovation project and things that it's going to entail. So here's the conversation with Marissa. Marissa, welcome to the show. It's great to uh, talk to you. It's been a little over a year since we uh, since we last talked and worked together. I had an awesome time at the Women's Open at the Olympic Club. It was great to work with you and Troy and really everybody at Olympic Club. So really had a, had a fantastic time there and it was a great opportunity to meet you and meet everyone else. And I, I think we kind of, we, we bonded over that experience and then we later learned that we both have... Um, I think yours is a miniature Australian Shepherd, right? You know, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on today. I'm I'm super excited that we've gotten to get to know each other and, and stay in touch since the Women's Open. But that was really such a fun, fun week. You know, one that I'll remember for forever, but mostly because of the, the people that I got to meet and hang out with, especially at the USGA. So I um, appreciate you having me on. But yes, my dog is a, an Australian Shepherd, but she's standard. She's on the smaller side. So, but Aussies are the best. Well, mine, mine's a mini and superintendents listening around the world, you know, between Border Collies and Australian Shepherds, I mean, those are probably the two most common golf course dogs. So you already got a, got a lot of high praise from our superintendent listeners. A uh, little bit of background info about you. You were a standout golfer at Stanford and the current green chairman at the Olympic Club. So I wanted to start with a question really around that. I mean, did you always have an interest in course maintenance and course design and you know what drew you to the green committee did you know what you were getting yourself into and you know did you just start right out of the gates as committee chair well funny thing is is I knew nothing about um, what it took to you know maintain a golf course I'll be fully honest I kind of fell into this position a little bit obviously my history is uh, around golf has mostly been around playing on golf courses but really didn't have a full appreciation for what it took to create the championship conditions that I was enjoying. You know, obviously I knew our superintendents of the courses that I I got to play on, but really didn't get a full appreciation until I joined the Green Committee. And I I joined back in 2016 or 17, I think. And I kind of fell into it because one of our members, Pat Cornett, who is a dear, dear friend and, and is the reason why I'm at Olympic Club, Stanford legend and everything, she was rolling off of the Green Committee. So a spot was opening up. She str- strongly encouraged that I apply for the committee. I think that a an opinion about the course conditions probably should be discounted unless you're actually doing something and learning about it in depth and volunteering your time. So, you know, it was a no brainer for me to apply. I was lucky enough to, you know, get a position, a four year commitment to the committee. And I didn't become chair until my third year on the committee which was great because, you know, the first two years, I just got to be a listener and enjoy learning about golf course maintenance, turf maintenance. Uh, we have a fantastic superintendent in Troy and, and his other superintendents for both, for all of our facilities under him. So really, it was the first two years was just listening and learning and, you know, giving opinions when asked. But I think that was, you know, really formative for my my chairmanship the last couple of years is 
what I found is is a good chair is one who listens first before it speaks. Yeah, I, I can't say enough great things about being on the committee. Well, very early on, obviously, into your tenure as Green Committee chairman, you knew the Women's Open was was headed your way. That's that's a pretty tall order. Um, and now, you know, what I want to focus on in our conversation is the uh, upcoming, you know, major project you guys have with uh, whether it's a, a restoration or a renovation. Um, you know, Olympic Club has really evolved like so many courses have done. So um, now you guys are embarking on this this pretty big project. So what what are you calling this this project at Olympic Club? Sort of what are the members calling it? Um, I know I've heard different terms with Gil Hans in particular, historic renovation, or is it just a, a restoration? Yeah, so I'd say that the term that Gil coined that you referenced, historical renovation, is is what we're we're using, and I think it's it's a great great term, and it totally makes sense because, as we all know, Gil is the best of the best when it comes to restorations and you know bringing golf courses back to the way that the original architects had intended. But that specific term really gives Gil the freedom to use the original design as kind of the blueprint or the the bones of the project, but it also allows him the creative freedom with some of the design features and, you know, other strategic um, adjustments of the golf course to really lend itself to the modern game and also to the modern golfer. So that is the term that we are using, historical renovation. I like it. It, it. It's very descriptive. It makes an awful lot of sense. You know, I remember thinking back to different renovations and even a renovation in your house. If it's an old house, I mean, you're still going to have some modern features in in your old house, even if you sort of restore it. So um, really a, a good definition there. Can you talk a little bit about the scope of the work uh, of that project? Has it been finalized? Well, we've got a podcast planned with Troy Flanagan uh, a little bit later, closer to the renovation. So um, I won't put your feet to the fire with with a ton of agronomy type questions. But you know, what's all included with this project? Yeah, please save the the very technical agronomic questions for, for Troy. But I, I will say, in terms of the scope, you know, we've tasked Gil to look at our entire facility, starting with the goal of improving our facilities for the overall enjoyment of our members, first and foremost. So that includes playability, design features, but also at the same time, maintaining our championship heritage of of our golf club. So, you know, maintaining the competitiveness of our facilities on the global stage for the modern game, while also increasing the enjoyment of our everyday players um, who are teeing it up at Olympic Club. So, you know, we're really lucky to have 54 holes um, on our facility. So there's a little bit of everything for everyone. Yeah, obviously, we have our, our late course, which is which is hosted many, many championships and will continue to host championships for the foreseeable future. And we have the ocean course, which is a fabulous uh, track as well. And, and you know, some may call it a little bit easier, but it's I think it's friendlier um, for sure. So individuals who are just starting the game or just don't want to have to take on the lake course, it's a it's a great facility for them. And then we have the the cliffs course, which is I think one of the most stunning pieces of land um, available for golf. And so you know that that nine hole par three is is also you know within the scope of what Gil is looking at. So in terms of the initial phase of our relationship with Gil, we are starting with the Lake Course, our championship golf course, and the intent is to bring it back to the original Willie Watson and Sam Whiting design from I think it's like 1924 or something like that. And so the idea is to 
bring the original green complexes back, the kind of the bunkering around them and throughout the course, as well as add in some different design features, like I said, to lend itself for the modern game. So there's no rerouting or anything like that. Some slight tweaking of holes and shifting a little bit, but realistically, it's just bringing it back to that original design. One of the things that I, I, I'm always interested to learn, and it's different in every course, are arguably even more difficult at a course that has such a strong history in the game and championship golf, is how do you start those conversations around a renovation when you've already got an awesome golf course? I mean, did it start with you know, something kind of small in scope and expand? Or was it, we've got some needs, we need some large-scale renovation as part of this plan from the outset? Yeah, that's a great question. So initially, the project, as we were starting to interview architects for, uh, you know, to be our architect of record, the idea was to solve some practical issues we were having. You know, we have a very healthy, large membership at Olympic Club. Um, Not many people know that we are an athletic club, which includes other sports that are not just golf. But you know, a lot of the non-golf members use our our golf facilities. And that's been the great thing about COVID is we've gotten a lot of new golfers, um, you know, entering into the game and and using our golf courses and our golf facilities. And the practical issue we're trying to solve is, you know, was around the range capacity. You know, it gets very, it gets quite crowded on, on certain times of certain parts of the week and certain times of the day. And so, you know, making sure that we have enough room for, all of our, anyone who wants to use our facilities, who's a member or a guest of a member, um, has the ability to do so. So that was the initial intent. And as we kind of started chatting with architects and, um, you know, asked them to take a look at our, the entire scope of our facilities, we saw that there was an opportunity to continue to improve our, our golf courses um, and really kind of get ahead of the curve in terms of keeping our courses competitive for the modern game. Um, but also, you know, we, we totally recognize that the profile of our membership and, and also just the profile of the average golfer today is changing. And so, you know, what can we do to not only make this game enjoyable for our, the best of the best players and, you know, the players who have been playing this game for the longest, but especially for the newer golfers, how are we going to get them um, to engage with our facilities and then stick with the game? And it, it doesn't necessarily have to come down to, you know, improving just our championship facility. Like I said, we are so lucky to have 54 holes on our, our golf course in, in addition to a, you know, pretty sizable range and, um, and also talking about our other practice facilities, you know, short game facility and other um, uh, practice type features that we can include on on our golf course um, facility to really engage those newer golfers as well as the most experienced ones. That's a great overview. And I think an important one, you've obviously had to explain the uh, the motivations behind this renovation, I'm sure, uh, you know, hundreds of times uh, to folks. I think that's definitely a challenge when you look at doing a project like this that, you know, includes rebuilding greens or, you know, whatever it might be, things that are underground that golfers might not actually see. What are some of those things that you have been able to sort of latch onto to say, you will see this as a result of this renovation? So I'd say it is very, very helpful to have an architect of 
of Gil's caliber and his experience um, to point to. His his portfolio of, of work is as impressive as it gets. And so being able to kind of lean on his previous restorations and historical renovations at other top golf courses, other top championship golf courses. It's helped our communication to our membership as to like what they should expect out of these changes. Because like you said, it is a tough sell when, you know, people are used to the golf course. It's It's been that way for many, many decades. And we've hosted some great championships on it. But it doesn't mean that there isn't room for improvement. The idea is the average member should expect the golf course to be more playable than perhaps it is today. I'm not saying it's going to be easier by any means. I that I think that that is a misconception that people think is like the course is just going to get easier. And so how are we going to be able to maintain the, this championship level for the best of the best players while we're you know, widening the throats or the entryways into greens or making or enlarging some of the greens just to get them back to their original sizes, softening the bunkers, you know, things of that nature. But I will say as a competitive player, I can vouch that just because the throat of a green is being widened or, um, you know, bunkers are being softened or greens are being enlarged, that definitely does not mean that it makes it less competitive or less difficult for the best of the best players. I think Gil has brought this up, you know, a number of times is I I fully appreciate is that because we'll be um, expanding a number of uh, nearly all of the greens it actually opens up the opportunity to create new pin placements for when we do host championships that just aren't available to us today because of our green sizes. For the majority of the most competitive players in the world, it's an aerial game. You know, you're flying it to the pins, whereas probably the average golfer, they'll likely see a more a wider variety of shots, maybe more on the ground, the ability to kind of bounce it up through in between the bunkers, whereas today, most of our greens pinch quite narrowly at the front, which makes that shot very difficult. Like if I was, if, if you asked me to roll a ball up to the green, I'd say that that would be much harder than how I, I need to play it today. So anyway, th- that's kind of what we're, we're trying to convey to our members uh, is that You should find this more playable, but in no way is it going to make this course easier for the best of the best players. That's a great summary. And, you know, having spent a lot of time at the lake course during the Women's Open, it's just a hard golf course to begin with. And giving people more options and creating more hole locations (laughs) is, is so cool. I mean, we saw that on display at the Country Club at Brookline during the U.S. Open, um, some new hole locations at the U.S. Open at Wingfoot because of the uh, the renovation work. So, yeah, it's it's a really interesting comment that you hear sometimes about, well, making greens bigger will give you, you know, or make it easier. And it's just, it's not really that that case at all. From an infrastructure standpoint, I've got to ask, I've got to dive a little bit into agronomy and, and maybe get you just a touch uncomfortable here. But what about, you know, are you trying to address any ongoing issues during the project, like drainage, or I know, you know, trees are, are an integral part of the lake course in particular, but are you, are you looking to try to recapture some, some different lines off of tees by, you know, taking trees out or thinning or anything like that? No, that's, that's a great question. So I'd say I'll, I'll just the first piece of, of drainage. Um, that is absolutely something that we had originally, even before we started this project or the engagement of architects is, we had planned to um, redo our, our irrigation, um, you know, and just needed updating. And so it was going to be a big project. But given that we're going to be, um, you know, doing this historical renovation, it, it 
offers a really great opportunity for us to kind of kill two birds with one stone. So that is definitely something that we'll be solving with this project. You know, in terms of the tree thinning, I think that the club has done a lot of work over the last few decades of taking down a lot of trees uh, on the lake course. You know, when I look at old photos of, you know, what the 60s championships look like, I can barely even recognize the holes because it's so dense with trees. And now I think that it the tall cypress trees that we have on the lake course really offers beautiful sight lines from tea to green. And I we're going to be still taking out certain tr- trees where it's strategic to, but for the most part, it's not going to be, you know, we're just cutting down every tree. Definitely not the case for that. I'd say that the irrigation part of it is is really a big piece of the puzzle that we're, we're solving with this this renovation as well. Is the plan to close the lake course entirely during the project or, you know, is it going to be done in phases um, you know, with things like irrigation, sometimes that's that's a lot easier to just, if the course is completely closed, than trying to do it while it's still open. And then how long are you expecting uh, the project to affect the course? When's the start date? And when do you think everything's going to be wrapped up? So tentative start date that we're targeting is beginning of November. Obviously, Gil is doing uh, doing work over it across the the street at Lake Merced, and we can kind of see it from the distance. I got a I got a peek of what it looks like uh, a couple months ago, and and I am so excited for for that course to open up. I think it's going to be a really competitive golf course and really interesting architecture. So, obviously, work on Olympic kind of hinges upon finishing up that project. In terms of, of how we're going to be closing down the course, it, it'll be in phases. We're going to start at the bottom of the property and kind of work our way up. We'll try to keep as many holes open as possible. We're lucky enough to have another eight, full 18-hole golf course plus a par three nine-hole co- uh, course. But still, we, you know, we have a lot of members that just love to golf. And so we want to um, be thoughtful about that and, and keep as many holes open as we possibly can. But at a certain point, um, we're, we're going to have to close down the course. Gil would and, and Troy would probably much better to answer exactly what that timeline looks like. You know, I'm, I'm assuming about halfway through the project. And I think the idea is that the course should be affected for nearly a year. You know, assuming everything goes as planned, it should, I think, 10 to 11 months is, is what I've, I've been told. Course closures, they're always such a sensitive subject, and, and you you've guys are doing it thoughtfully, which, I mean, I think every course uh, tries to do that. As Green Chairman, what was the process like, or maybe it's ongoing, uh, to build support among the membership for the course closure? Course closure was definitely a sticky topic, for sure. I think selling the project as a whole was was the biggest challenge and is still, you know, it's an ongoing conversation with members. Um, like I said, we have a, a very healthy, large membership and um, very passionate members, which is fantastic. You, you, you want members who are engaged and really care about your facilities and want to utilize the facilities. So bringing them along for, you know, why it's the right decision to do this project at this moment and in this fashion uh, was, was definitely a challenge. But First, I think we have a great committee who is um, working with Gil to kind of help communicate to members as to what exactly the plans are, as well as, you know, the why behind it. And then secondly, Gil has been fantastic to work with, not just because, you know, he's he's a creative genius and, and a, a restoration genius when it comes to golf course architecture, but 
he has taken so much of his own time to communicate with our members, whether it's a town hall or, you know, kind of doing descriptive videos as to what exactly the changes are to the golf course. Um, and, you know, having those videos available for our broader membership to watch, you know, he has been really, really responsive to member concerns. And I, I don't think that this is unique to Olympic club. I think he does this, uh, at every single club that he works at, which is amazing, first of all. And second of all, it really does help the process of selling when you hear it directly from the architect as to, you know, the care and um, attention to detail that he is putting into this, as well as just his experience doing this. It, it just gives you a whole set, another sense of comfort that we're in good hands here. Yeah, I completely agree. I worked closely with Gil on a membership presentation in advance of the uh, the restoration and renovation at uh, Sleepy Hollow in New York. I remember going into it thinking, boy, the course is really good. Conditions are really good. This is a tough sell. And I had the easy job of really just explaining you know, putting in construction and what that looks like. His presentation was so well done, so thoughtful, and it was hard to kind of not say, yep, this is the right guy to kind of hand the keys over. So totally. And I would imagine seeing the work that's happening at Lake Merced down the road. I mean, I would imagine that's a, a huge positive for any members that were maybe a little bit nervous about what this process would look like. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's been really helpful to just have something tangible in front of us that we can go visit or, you know, kind of see across the way from our, our golf course, but also, you know, having Gill's golf courses um, that he's worked on uh, on display at the championship level, like seeing Winged Foot, the Country Club, uh, Southern Hills all put on display for the best of the best taking them on and seeing what it looks like on TV and, you know, hearing commentators uh, talk about some of the changes that were made, what that's done for, for the golf course, the golf club. Those are all really, really helpful elements for getting people across the line to, to support the project. So I just mentioned Lake Merced, and I'd be remiss to not, you know, also mention your other neighbors with the San Francisco Golf Club and Harding Park, you know, just within a few minutes drive of Olympic. In your mind, what makes, you know, that that part of San Francisco really such a great area for golf? I think it's one of these really special, I, I don't know how to describe it. It's just like a, a little sector that great golf courses gravitate around. I mean, we, we obviously have Olympic Club. San Francisco Golf Club, Lake Merced, Harding Park, all right in this little corner of the city that we can all kind of see. We can see each of the courses from from our own facilities. So it's a really special place to be part of. I'd say, first of all, just the area itself is gorgeous. You know, the coastline, it may not be as dramatic as as some of the courses down in, in the Pebble Beach, Monterey area. I would put it up against the best of the best uh, coastlines um, in terms of where you can you can put golf courses. Second of all, you know, the proximity to the city, I think helps a lot. It's not in the middle of the city. It's a little bit removed, but close enough where it's really accessible. And so being able to escape the city was a, a really attractive option, I think, for, for a lot of folks back when they were building it. I think that there's like a stat that was of the nine golf courses or something like that, or however many are in the in the San Francisco area now. Only two of them were, were made post-World War II. Even back then, it was just the practicality of it. There was sand, there was, you know, great land to build upon. That's the genius of, of those architects back in the, the golden era is they, they had an eye for what would last. 
well said. It's it really a special place. I know when I first saw, you know, the the main lake course and the ocean course, I was blown away. And then you know, working with Brian Whitlark, he's like, all right, let's let's go check out the Cliffs course. That's probably where you'd find me. That that's more suited to my game. Next time I'm in the area, I might have to hit you up for that. Oh, absolutely. Anytime. It's an open invitation. Like I said, the Cliffs course is probably the most valuable piece of land that we have. And so, you know, exploring what we can do over there to improve that part of the property is is definitely part of the scope of this project. We'll see what we can do. Obviously, there's a lot of sensitivities around moving a good amount of dirt near that close to the coastline. But I think it would be an incredibly lost opportunity not to explore all of the options over there because it is such a, a special piece of land. Completely agree. Marissa, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to uh, talk to me today. It's been great catching up and look forward to uh, seeing the progress at Olympic Club. And like I said, we're going to have Troy on in a few months right before things get started. So uh, it's going to be awesome. Best of luck. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. It was super fun to catch up. Thanks for listening to the USGA Green Section podcast. Be sure to subscribe, listen, and rate us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can also keep up with the latest content on Twitter and by subscribing to the Green Section Record, our digital publication that's published twice a month.